When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. To add me again. There we go. I'm so excited. We're back. Consequence Podcast Network. And welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks, as always, for making your way here and checking out the series. Of course, you know what to do. If you like what you see, what you hear, hit that subscribe button. I put out three new interviews every single week, a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. A great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover those new ones. You can do so at any of the usual places uh, that you grab podcasts. That includes uh, Spotify and Apple Podcast at uh, NPR, WFPK.org, Consequence, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. And in fact, uh, if you head over to Apple Podcasts, you can help us out uh, quite a bit. Uh, we need you to uh, hit, well, over at Apple Podcasts, hit the follow button, leave us a review over there. Not only is it a quick, easy way to show your support, but it'll also give you a chance to win exclusive Consequence merch. So just head to the link in the show notes and then submit your info along with a screenshot of your review. And we'll be shouting out our winners all December. So make sure to follow and review soon. And, of course, thanks for all your support in helping the uh, Kyle Meredith with podcast grow. And if you need more incentive, uh, just think of who you'll hear, such as uh, some of my recent guests, like uh, actress Shelley Hennig from Netflix's Obliterated. I had uh, director Mick G on to talk about Family Switch, that movie. Uh, we had uh, the band X Ambassadors, Chicago, Mike Mills of REM, the cast of Goosebumps, uh, the director of the uh, new Hunger Games prequel, Francis Lawrence, also talked to Neil deGrasse Tyson, Dolly Parton was here, Rufus Wainwright, Gavin Rosdale of Bush, uh, Johnny Marr, Everclear, Paul Rogers of Bad Company, just an example of what you get when you subscribe to the Kyle Meredith With podcast. And that's me, Kyle Mayer. Today, I get to catch up with Kate Siegel. Uh, the actress is back. She's one of my favorite actresses, and she's in the new Netflix miniseries, The Fall of the House of Usher. Uh, once again, with uh, you know Mike Flanagan creating this one, uh, loosely based on various works by Edgar Allan Poe, and tells the uh, downfall of a family, uh, a corrupt pharmaceutical company, and a mysterious woman, 
plaguing the characters as they disappear one by one. Now, alongside Kate, uh, the ensemble cast uh, includes a lot of Flanagan regulars like Carla Gugino and Henry Thomas, but also uh, welcomes Bruce Greenwood, uh, Mary McDonald, and Mark Hamill to the cast. So we're going to be talking about that. Uh, Kate's going to take us through the necessity of pain, as she says, that uh, weaves its way throughout the story, uh, basing her look off of uh, Mirage from The Incredibles and finding the mood of Camille through uh, Doja Cat's uh, Won't Bite. In fact, that's uh, something we talked just a little bit about last time she was on my show uh, when we were discussing uh, The Time Traveler's Wife and Midnight Mass. Uh, Kate's also going to recount the team's need to reshoot a big chunk of the show after uh, Frank Langella was fired after a misconduct investigation and replaced with uh, Bruce Greenwood, who does a spectacular job throughout this whole series, uh, playing the patriarch of the family. Uh, She'll tell us about what it was like to film her death scene, coming up with her own uh, backstory, and becoming friends with uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross uh, through their work on the score of this series. So it's all that and more. We're talking the fall of the House of Usher, it's Kyle Meredith with Kate Siegel. What's up, music people? And also <laughs> listeners who are not into music. <laughs> Just everyone. That's everyone, right? Super inclusive. Super inclusive. <laughs> it's so great to see you. Um, there was uh, You did some work over the, uh, over the past year, and I'll, I'll go ahead and say that, because now that we can, uh, The Fall of the House of Usher, it's now on Netflix, and it was, it was a little bit tough watching this going, I... Can't wait to talk about this show, <laughs> but we can't do that yet. So you can only imagine what the group chat was like. Just, just curse words as far as the eye could see, because there's so much to be said about it. And we were this group of people got along so well. All we wanted to do was go in a press tour together and be chaotic in interviews. And unfortunately, the AMPTP wouldn't pay us the money that the actors served, so we had to go on strike. So how did you keep yourself busy for, what was it, 188 days, something like that? I started making really ridiculous Instagram reels and TikTok videos. I downloaded CapCut, and then I was like, I felt as if I was the first person to ever discover CapCut. And I was like, this is so fun. And I would just make random videos. And so I really increased my follower count, hopefully. You kept us entertained, which was sort (laughs) of like... Like you found, like everybody sort of found a way, well, whoever wanted to, I guess, found a way, right? But like, yeah. I, I don't know if that's just an itch that you you have to, like, what what was that that did you just need to still be? Oh, yeah. I, um, if I'm not doing something like that, and if I'm not receiving a constant stream of attention from the general public, <laughs> I'll just go into stasis like a sad hibernating bear. No, I think it's just... Um, there's a certain itch that gets scratched by self-tapes. It's not the best way to scratch an itch. It's like masturbation as opposed to sex. And um, it was gone. And so I had to do something. And I just, this is fun. Now does everything, do you get to put that back on the back burner now? Or, or are you going to? Well, now I really like it. <laughs> so I think I'll keep it up. I, I just like these things that come into my head. And like, I make mocktails and I'll make videos. I don't know if it'll be as constant, but. I think I fell in love again. Yeah, it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch. But I, I can't, you know, I don't mind saying selfishly that I'm also happy that you're back to work and like everyone to is back to work. Mm-hmm. And um, and we do, I, you know, so let's let's talk. Let's talk about the show, because I feel like we waited so long for this one. And I know that there's a lot of story about why that happened. And maybe we'll get into that as well. But just to get into the, So for the folks, I guess, who haven't seen it. 
the fall of the house usher is not just about the one edgar Allan poe short story but it's a love letter to many of his stories and it's so much more i mean um and I, I might have seen this elsewhere but you know i did write down those words expanding a story of privilege wealth and greed yes and what it means today mm -hmm. so if you don't mind just me throwing the big question at you what does this show mean to you what what was it exactly beyond the obvious yeah i think the fall of the house of usher is about the necessity of pain why we need pain in our lives why we need struggle why like pain emotionally and all that stuff because litigone which is the drug it's all based on its whole thing was i'm going to eradicate pain like roderick was like and madeline were like we're going to have a pain-free world and without pain and suffering there is no compassion empathy or joy you have a very neutral bland splenda existence of life which you see through all of these usher kids especially the bastards who came in after the deal was made and so for me, it was always about pain, the necessity of it, the forms of it, and how we process it. It's sort of like um, people talk about you need death to appreciate life. Mm -hmm. Although I'm I'm more on the side of the vampires. If I had the chance, I think I would take it. Honey, no, I'm not going to let you get away with that. Go down that path. Go down that path. You live forever. Nothing is lost to you. There is no sense of urgency. How quickly do you just spend 12 to 15 hours a day watching YouTube videos? What, like, if vampires are real, you think that's a thing? Like, uh, just <laughs> the ones that are addicted to YouTube and TikTok? Right? That's that's the thing. Like, if you told me I lived forever, I, I, there's nothing, there's no rush for me to do anything. I don't know. I just sit around all day and do shit. Like, I'm not going to build the pyramids I'm, I'm not doing like the only thing that gets me going is a deadline. We talk, my wife and I talk about this because uh, she'll watch some of the uh, the vampire shows. Um, you know, the, the ones that it's always, of course, the guys who have been around for a few hundred years and they hang around with high school students. And I think, why would you give a, why would you give a damn about any of this? Well, any, any of this, you know, it's. <laughs> yeah, that's very funny. It's true. It's true. I choose not to hang out with high school students now and I'm not immortal. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, I do love the idea of of, of the pain because uh, obviously pain's a big part of it. Uh, that one, I don't think that those that the way of structuring it that way was really obvious to me. But but just seeing the way that everyone gets so tormented. I mean, from the beginning, we know that this isn't a happy ending. Yeah. Nor is it usually ever with <laughs> with Mike. Probably stories. not. No, no. Oh, Mike Flanagan oh. is not giving you. Just everybody gets tickets to the Yankee game. <laughs> Does that change how you start in something like this? Like how you go into your character, like how anybody goes into a story like this, knowing that it's it's only going to end badly? Well, this one was really fun because I was um, working on Time Travelers. I was working on something else. I can't remember when that followed the House of Usher writer's room came up. And I was in my office doing stuff and Mike came in and he was like, hey, how do you feel about having your face ripped off by a monkey? Spoilers. Um, and I was like, what? And I was like, you are so funny. Cause I didn't, I wasn't familiar with the room org. I was like high school level education Poe. And he was like, the murders in the room org is this very famous story. And it turns out the murderer was a chimpanzee. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And so the thing that I did say, because I'm human, was I was like, then I have to be hot as fuck. If I die with my face being ripped off, then I want to be the hottest bitch around. 
And so in that way, yes, the performance of it, you know, Camille figures it out like a half second before it happens to her. But otherwise, I just create a character normally. But to me, that counterpose of knowing how the ghost was going to look, I just wanted to be so pretty. And we'll be right back right after this. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky, in the Midwest, and allergies... Yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice. It affects my mood. It affects everything. And I feel like I've tried every, I've tried all the medicines. Some of them work better than others, but there's there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. It's what I use now and it's definitely changed my life. Astapro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Uh, Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. With all the pollen in the air, with all the dust around the the corners of the house, uh, even with uh, the allergies I have from my dog, Astapro has been the nasal spray that has helped me with all of my allergies. And it can help you too. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Kate Siegel. And it was such a really cool look. I mean, you had the silver hair. Yeah. What you talk, you might have talked about it on some of the, the Netflix promo that was done before the strike about how you found this character. And uh, what what what's what's the word? Because it's... um. It's Mirage from The Incredibles. Thank you. That's what I was looking Which, for. Which, by the way, I was an adult when I saw Jesus Christ getting dragged on Twitter as my least favorite thing. I would like to say that it, it, I already said it. It's awkward. I just said something and you can't go back and you're trying to make the interviewer laugh. And it's just like, ugh, got people. <laughs> <laughs> now, when, when you say you base some of it, was that the look? I mean, I don't. It was like, just the look. Just the look, right? Because I can't imagine the characters from that. No, 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 no. Although there is something cartoonish about Camille because Camille is splashy. She's only there for three episodes. She's only there to create the pattern, right? Once uh, you know, you don't really know what's going on. Perry's melted. Maury's melted. And when it happens to Camille, that's when you go, oh, and when everybody else goes, oh, it looks like something's going on. And so I had the opportunity because she doesn't have to carry a lot of exposition or a lot of like emotional like centering the way Aaron Green did. Aaron Green's entire job was to be still in the center of the storm. And I had to do that and I couldn't make big moves and I couldn't make big choices. And it was to stand there at the intersection of Hamish and Sam and the sheriff and Zach 
and just stand still. Camille's the opposite. Camille got to be crazy. And so there's something cartoonish about her in, in the way she chooses to present herself, the way she dresses, the way she interacts with her assistants. But no, the look of Mirage, we knew it wanted to be blonde. And when Ashley came in with some different blondes, it wasn't quite working. It wasn't quite it. And then she had this blue Amazon wig and she just dropped it on my head. So the wig is actually blue. Okay. Yeah. That, that must be like, uh, what was the old thing? The, uh, the the dress color that we all debated a few years ago. Oh, yes. Black yeah, and right. blue. No, but it's blue because Camille's whole uh, vibe is silver and all of that cool lighting. Any yellow hair would have not read on screen. So it needed to be a certain tone for camera. I guess if like she was a person, she's not. But if she was, her hair would be silver. But the wig itself was blue. I just thought that's fun. That's just what my memory, they just, it just flipped it right then. That's uh, yeah. that's what just happened right there. When you and I last talked and 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 we were all week, all you could do is kind of give me little hints about this show. You mentioned Doja Cat. Yes, don't bite. Yeah, as, as mm -hmm. this character. And you're like, just wait, just wait. Yeah. Now are you able to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, so this vibe, like the vibe of that kind of like a little bit like icy, vipery, sexy, like I'm a thing, but I'm not a thing. I do a thing, but I don't do a thing. That was very much um, right at the base for me. Like that's the type of song I would listen to driving to set every day. These kind of like playful, violent women. Had you all ever done anything like, I guess I'd say this sexual and sometimes hedonistic? It sounds yeah. like but uh <laughs> Well, you can be judgy. The ushers are bad people. Like they're every single one of them is a bad person. They're not a good person. Well, I guess Lenore is a good person, but the rest of them are bad people. They're hedonistic. They are self-indulgent. They are self-obsessed. They are narcissistic. They're sociopathic. Like they're bad people. So no, we haven't done a show about bad people before. Yeah. Like that had to be fun. Uh oh, oh my God. So there's this thing when you sign a contract for a long-running series, they make you sign it for seven years, or at least they used to before a new contract. Camille's the only one I would have done for seven years. <laughs> That's interesting. That's really interesting. Any reason why? She's so much fun. She's a blast. Yeah. It's so much fun to play a bad person. Now, you, you already mentioned it, you know, so she does, she she, dip, she dips out early. You, you, you have more scenes after that, of course. I'm a ghost, yeah. Yeah, because there's the ghost stuff. I guess what I'm getting to, and maybe this is one of those questions, but like, how do you and Mike decide who you're going to play? I mean, how much do, do you come? It's like, oh, but she's gone early. I want to do someone late. Does that ever happen like that? No, um, I trust Mike completely. And this sounds like lip service, but it's not. He tells me where he needs me and I go there. And if and it's because the we try to keep the boundary very clean. So work, he's my boss. He's my boss. And that happens from call time to rap. It happens during prep and things like that. And home, I'll like make nonsense stuff. Like he'll be writing a scene. I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if Camille wasn't dead at all? And instead she was just there and she was getting a massage. Like things like that. Like those are just like, like goofy marriage stuff. But no, he tells me where to go, what to stand, what to say, you know, where to stand, not what to stand. Stand up is what you would say. Yeah. So I don't know how much you want to say about this, but would it be accurate also to say that shit went down? Dude, the most shit went down. People who are correctly praising Bruce need to remember that every single scene Bruce shot that wasn't sitting down across from Carl Lumley was an emergency reshoot. We redid almost all of his stuff. It's amazing what he did. And and seeing him, like you hear about, I don't know, those old, you know, stories 
like uh, Tom Selleck audition for Indiana Jones. You're like, oh man, I love Tom Selleck, but thank God that didn't happen, you know? Yeah, like, support yeah. or whatever. This is one of those moments where I'm like, knowing, you know, what, you know, everybody that was before this and, and, and with Bruce and everything, it's like, oh man, oh man, I think this is way, probably way, like, and, and I, I wasn't there, I don't know. But um, but he is he's fantastic in in, in this and and watching him work and everything. But but you know what is it to be part of something like that and then just have it stop and not exactly fall apart? But I guess that was yeah. always possible. it was heartbreaking. It was it was overwhelming and heartbreaking and disappointing and and you know people were hurt. I I was tangentially I wasn't involved in any of the um, actual HR stuff, but hearing about it, knowing that cast members felt sad and uncomfortable uh, and taken advantage of by other members of the cast, other member of the cast. And it was just devastating because Mike has spent so much time building an amazing set life and experience and family. And to know that one person can come in and just fuck that shit up made me furious as well. And I think when Bruce came, there was palpable relief from everybody because we had a scene partner and we had somebody we respected who respected us and a family member back. And I think it just, for me, solidified that feeling of you don't need to be tortured to be an artist. You can be a good person and show up and do your job, even if you're playing somebody extreme, even if you are um, in extreme situations, you are capable. Anybody is capable of being sane, pleasant, and professional on set. And still bring out great art. Yeah on top yeah. of that which yes same can be said bringing into the family mark hamill is here now talk about playing despicable characters but let me say this again mark hamill is in this that mark I mean... hamill. <laughs> honestly like everybody like mark hamill is a perfect example of you should meet your heroes he's exactly as kind respectful charming funny everything you want him to be just mm. chef's kiss mark hamill uh, how is there a story? How did that happen? I mean, who came up with the idea to cast him? Oh God, how did that happen? I have literally no idea. I don't. I'm sure I knew then, and I don't know now. I'm so sorry. No, he arrived, and he's there, and that's the important. He showed up. He he astral projected himself there, and then his body showed up, and boom, pulled out a lightsaber, and he's ours. <laughs> but you know, and I could go down. I mean, and, and seeing Carla in all of her different personalities. I mean, again, there's just so much to be said about. Yes. You know, everything that happens in this. Um, and a dream to introduce Mary McDonald to this world. Like, what an actress. Like, immediately fit in. Immediately is just riveting and so much fun to have on set. Like, we all had, like, there were adults in the room. And so, like, poor me, Rahul, you know, and Tania and Sam and Sorian, we're all just acting the fool. And the adults, like, wouldn't even sit in our green room. They had nothing to do with us. <laughs> And we'll be right back, right after this. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Kate Siegel. You know, I, I was thinking back last time we talked, too, because uh, we also talked about one of your iconic moments in that, at that point in Midnight Mass and the scream in the boat. And now to see your exit scene, and I will throw the spoiler at the beginning of this because we've already talked about some of it anyway, but with the ape at the end, it's it's a very different type of exit, especially your last words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fuck it, I got mine. Like, it, it, I guess in the way I'm, at, uh, you know, I would ask about, you know, how you that that scream in that boat and everything. Like, how did you how did you go into that day? How did you go into that scene? 
So that scene we shot in the middle of the night and there was nothing there. It was just me and Carla. All of the animals were added after the fact digitally. And we had Terry, who was our movement coach, who performed some of the chimps in uh, Planet of the Apes. He was there teaching Carla her movement. And so he would get in the cage to kind of give me a sense of what was going to happen on the day. And I, I spoke very deeply with Michael Thimignari, who is my director for that episode, who I love with all of my heart. I've been working with for years. And we had talked a lot about Camille's bullshit detector, about Camille knowing that this world was full of, of shit and smoke and mirrors and her desperate need to know why she hated Vic so much. Like, this was just a question for her. Like, why do I hate my sister? And the the moment of relief and understanding from Carla was almost a gift, right? That this is inevitable and this is going to be terrible. And how do we want to face death? And I just, it's one of the reasons I love Camille so much because she didn't beg, she didn't, she didn't flinch, but she got what she needed. And she was like, this is going to suck. Let's do it. And I, there's something so profound about that. And I, it was when, once I had that knowledge and love, of the character's choice, I was able to drop in pretty quickly with the performance happening above me was deeply terrifying. Carla was at a hundred at every take, even off camera. And I'm grateful for her for that because it was just, there's no way to stop. Once Camille realizes what's happening and she believes in crazy stuff. Like we have a whole, we have a whole backstory that I made up because I had a, like months and months to sit and do nothing but journal. And once she figures out, this is how it's going to go. It's how it's going to go. The backstory, and like, I don't know how much stuff ends up, as they say, on the cutting room floor, you know, with with a series like this, because there's so many stories. And and one thing I always love about my storytelling is I always feel like every scene counts. Like there's never it never feels like there's much filler at all. And when you know, when you have someone like that, when you have a story like this, I mean, are there are there big pieces that you have to leave behind or is everything really constructed in there? No, it's it's constructed. It's in the scripts. It's very few. Like there are some little pieces of scenes that have been cut, but most of it stays. The backstory was more for me because like we said, like Camille's a splash, like she's short and spicy. I wanted to know in my head what the grounding force was. Like there's this whole sobriety storyline with Camille that isn't scripted that I just knew that Camille was sober up until the point she takes that edible at Leo's house. And that's when she relapses. And then that changes her choices until the end of her life. And so that was just important for me in terms of creating a short and exciting arc. Like I needed something that turned everything. And of course, everything's turning around her as well. But there needed, I think, to be internal motivation for what happens at Leah's apartment, what then happens with my assistants, what then takes me to the room or what then takes me past that security guard into the cages and not leaving that row. Why? And for me, it was because I needed something that tangible that I could react to was the breakdown of her sobriety. And so in the beginning, well, I say beginning, but like in episodes one and two, you will see Camille like pour a drink and put it away from her or like she won't touch the wine at dinner. But it's all that kind of stuff that as an actor gives you something to hold on to when crazy stuff is going on around you. I cannot wait now to go back and see that because I love that. That's great. Uh, I'll also, uh, you know, just mention here, um, uh, cause the show opens up with uh, another brick in the wall with people. Yes. And I thought, how did they just not blow their budget <laughs> right away? <laughs> so, I mean, not to mention like all 
the the joy of Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross that came in, like they've become friends of the family and they're just like, oh, the music, the music in Usher. And of course, the Newton brothers who we always have. Yeah, Trent and Atticus, I uh, I own several of their scores and every single time. I mean, first off, it's Trent Reznor, you know, and it's right. It's very jealous of that. Yet to have him on the series, Trent, if you're watching, I know you always are. Always watching with bated <laughs> breath. No, I mean, like genius level genius, like touched by God genius. And like, I also believe Mike is a touched by God genius. And when they meet, it's like, they, they, they have a whole thing. And I'm just like, hi. <laughs> to be that fly, right? That's what yeah. you get to be, to be that fly. Yeah. Um, are you allowed to say what's next? Is it? Do you know what's next? Yeah, I have a couple of things. Well, we just wrapped Life of Chuck, <laughs> which is that Stephen King short story where it's... um. It was an interim agreement project, and it's finished now. And so that is now in post-production. It's fantastic. It is not horror. And so it's the first time that we've done a classic Spielberg-esque life-affirming story. Wow. Cannot wait, Isn't... as usual. Um, yeah. You never let us down, so I expect that you'll be betting a thousand it's forever. So, it's inevitable. Hopefully <laughs> this will be... <laughs> Kate, it's so great to speak to you again and see you. you uh, thank you so much for taking the time to do it. Yeah, thanks for a wonderful interview. Talk to you at the next one, I hope. And my thanks to Kate Siegel. Uh, the Fall of the House of Usher is on Netflix now. Thanks to you, of course, for checking out the episode. Again, please do hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all the interviews that we put out every single week. New and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover those new ones. And don't forget to head over to Apple Podcast. If you uh, don't follow there, uh, follow and then leave a review. Take a screenshot of that review and then uh, drop it in the links in the uh, notes of the, uh, of the episode section. And uh, you might win some cool merch from uh, Consequence. After that, head over to WFPK.org. It's right to a show Monday through Friday starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. It's uh, four hours of favorites from the uh, 70s, 80s, 90s. You get the best in new music. There's uh, bonus interviews, lots of music news as well. Again, that's uh, 6 p.m. Eastern every weekday at wfpk.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the old social media sites. Uh, the address is always the same, at Kyle Meredith. So I do hope you like and follow along. And that does it for another edition I'm Kyle Meredith, and I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. If you want another playlist, I have a playlist. This one's funnier, too, because it has it goes from Britney Spears to Encanto to Megan the Stallion to Fru Fru because Camille's insane. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media.